Green Team Academy podcast, episode 66. Tune in to hear how regular people like you are making environmental policy changes at the local, state, and national levels, and how you can too. Hey, are you ready to make a positive impact for the planet? If so, then you're in the right place. My name is Joan Gregerson, and I am an eco-nut. Thanks for joining me today, and don't forget to head over to the greenteamacademy.com website to pick up plenty of other resources to help you on your way. And with that, let's get started. Hello there, green team. Welcome back. Uh, thanks a lot for hanging out with me today. This is a really important topic and one that I think that there's generally a lot of hesitation around. So if you stick around, I know you're going to feel better by the end. So the focus of this episode is environmental policy making. And, uh, you know, there's really three basic levels that we can work on. One is our personal choice, and that's great. You can start making changes immediately, but your impact is limited. Next is bringing together a team in your community, and that's where you start picking up some power and getting different skill sets and ideas, and that synchronicity, all that stuff starts working in your favor. But even when you do that, you're going to be realizing quickly that the rules of the game, the laws, the regulations out there are going to limit what you can do, or they're maybe even going to be creating the problems that you're facing. So if we are able to then know how to change those laws, we're going to be able to be much more effective. And the combination of working at a personal level, community level, and at that third environmental policy making level is the most powerful. And it's going to make you feel the best about doing this kind of work. So this episode is based on a workshop that I convened for the Green Team Accelerator Lab, and it was held on October 8th, 2019 in Lakewood, Colorado, and we had four different speakers who were, they're just regular people like you and I who have had experience actually changing the course of their cities, state, and national legislation. So that's, it's an exciting topic, and it's one that I realized when I was doing Sustainable Revolution Longmont that we actually changed the course of the city. And I'd never been to a city council meeting or anything before, and it was a big shock that normal people like you and I have that power. So, um, so in this episode on the show notes, you'll be able to click on each link and then go to a profile of each of the different projects that were the different speakers that are being highlighted. So first up was Joy Opp with Sustainable Wheat Ridge. She's a co-chair of that this volunteer committee, and. Wheat Ridge is um, a community of about 30,000 people northwest of Denver, Colorado. And um, this, this happened because the mayor at the time, Mayor Joyce Jay, put out a call for applications to start this sustainability committee. And what they did is in the first year, they developed this action plan. And although it wasn't formally adopted, it was approved. And so they, they took off and 
as of October 2019, some of the things that they've done is they developed a logo and branding around the sustainable sustainable wheat ridge, which you know, I think that's one of the steps a lot of people skip right over. But if there's not a visible way for people to understand, oh, wow, this is a real thing. This is how we think of ourselves as sustainable wheat rich. Um, so that was an important step. Um, they've also done a tree planting. They've done rain barrel kit um, giveaway. They, they've worked on developing a green business recognition program. Uh, and now the city has hired a halftime coordinator who is going to start in January 2020 to help work on all these things. Um, they are developing a Wheat Ridge Sustainable Neighborhoods program. Uh, they received a Charge Ahead Colorado grant and added an EV, an electric vehicle, to their city fleet. And I think one of the big things that they've been able to do is they have partnered up with a program called Partners in Energy, which is with Excel. And um, it's kind of cool because Partners in Energy, Excel's program, realizes that they need to be working with the community. And so what they're able to do with this is go out there and table at events. And because there are a lot of city events like bicycle races and music festivals, the city often gives Sustainable Wheat Ridge committee members a table um, so they can be there and have access to people and they're signing them up for energy audits and giving away uh, free LEDs, all that, um, that comes through their partnership with XL Energy. And in 2020, they're planning to launch a Sustainable Neighborhoods Program um, they'll be hosting quarterly community engagement sustainability events. They're launching the Garden in a Box program uh, with Resource Central and Denver Water to have water conserving plants. And uh, for community members, they're planning a 2020 Earth Day event. And they're applying for a Partners in Places grant for and working on this urban prairie, prairie project. And Another interesting thing I think that Sustainable Wheat Ridge did was they did not have compost collection as part of the city services. And so what they did is they coordinated, they recruited a local business to come in and start serving Wheat Ridge. So now the business scraps will be offering compost collection in Wheat Ridge. So that is a really cool story of somebody working on that committee level to make a big difference. So that's Sustainable Wheat Ridge, and that was Joy Op that shared that with us. So next up on the agenda was Christine Brinker, and she's a member of a volunteer organization called CASE. It's Citizens Alliance for a Sustainable Inglewood. And Inglewood is a similar size to what we just heard about of Wheat Ridge, uh, about 34,000 people just south in a community just south of Denver. Um, but the difference is that in Inglewood, it wasn't something that the mayor set out. It was just more a group of about a dozen volunteers that came together in 2017 to work with city council members and residents on cleaner energy, sustainable land use, waste reduction, and financial responsibility. 
So the the group came together in 2017, and as Christine was talking about, it was kind of cool because in 2018, right off, they felt like they had three wins, three quick wins. Um, they worked with and and pushed the city to do these three things. First is they asked the city to calculate the baseline greenhouse gas emission levels, and the city said, okay, and they did it. The next was uh, they urged the city to go ahead and move forward with a project to recapture biogas waste from the water treatment plant. So this was something they had seen that it was being flared, the the excess um, the biogas from the, the waste treatment plant, um, the water treatment plant. And um, so the city decided to, yes, go back and go ahead and do a study. And they, they looked at all the options and they chose one. And that biogas treatment plant is just going online. They're doing like the big opening um, in October. The third thing was as part of that that exercise of when they asked the city to calculate its baseline greenhouse gas emission levels, that was due in part to um, after at the national level where um, where our current administration was saying let's pull out of the Paris Accord, the this case group was looking to Inglewood to say well how can we take steps to basically meet something similar to the Paris Accord. And so what they found out that was that they weren't too far off at the city level. So this is the municipal level. And there was an op- opportunity that came up through Xcel Energy, who is the, the power company, gas and electric power company for this area, um, to participate in a, an, a program called Renewable Connect. And so the case group looked into it and found out that the city could purchase 40% of its municipal electricity. So that's the electricity serving the properties owned by the city. So the city buildings um, that, that the city of Inglewood could purchase 40% of its electricity from renewable sources through this Renewable Connect program and that will reduce emissions and provide a cost savings. So that was a really cool start. And I think you can see how interesting this is, is that, you know, we feel like our mayor, our city manager, our city council, city staff would already be on top of this. Um, But, you know, they're working on a lot of different things. And so to have a citizen group come together and identify things and help research them and partner with the city who does report to us, right? Um, That they're able to make these things happen fairly quickly. So then on to 2019 and case continued and expand initiatives. And you may remember from the previous episode 65 talking about pollinators, how people and pollinators action network was partnering with a couple cities. Well, this is one of them. And so they are partnering to um, plan and design um, the a pollinator friendly demonstration garden in Inglewood with beautiful native low water plants and flowers. Another thing that CASE did in 2019 was they worked to help pass two different environmental bills at the state level. And so 
One of them was uh, working with State Representative Meg Froelich to launch support and pass a new law um, setting minimum energy and water saving standards for 15 different commercial and residential appliances. And the second one was to help pass a Colorado law improving local building energy codes. And so that's kind of cool, right? That a, a group like that can go and um, you know, testify at those hearings and say, you know, we represent this, the, you know, residents of this city and we're in, in favor of this. And sometimes those, those representatives that are working things, they need, they need a bill to pass. So sometimes they'll take, um, suggestions from people in their community and they also need the support from folks to, to be able to step up and speak up to help show that this is something that is important. So the next thing they did was they helped get um, something added to the Inglewood strategic plan. So Inglewood, the city has this strategic plan and it didn't have any words like a sustainable natural environment as one of the goals. And so that's really important when you're making decisions. If you don't have what is this impact going to be for the long term, then you could see how um, it would just get passed over in the decision making. Uh, the next is something that they're doing to do outreach to the, the residents of Inglewood. And there is a, a city magazine that gets delivered to every mailable address in the city uh, on a quarterly basis. And so this case team writes an article for each one of those in order to help get the word out. And the big issue that they're taking on in 2019 is a um, is it, they're talking trash. So they're taking on the issue of the trash hauling system. Right now, individual residents can choose whatever company they want, and as a result, it it means that you've got all these different trucks going down these quaint little dirt alleys in Inglewood, and so it tears up the roads. There's a lot more air pollution. And there's, there's no minimum requirements, like recycling is not necessarily included as an option of every single one of these companies. And it's loud. So what they're proposing is to, for the city to contract, and this is happening in a lot of different cities, they'll, they'll do a contract with one company and do it for a certain number of years and have some performance standards. So what Case is envisioning is that this system would, not only would it provide cleaner air and quieter streets and recycling to each person on that route, um, but it would also save money for from reduced wear and tear on the roads. And it should come in at a lower cost than what people are paying right now because it would be fewer trucks doing the same amount of work. So it should be a cost savings to individuals. So remember that Christine Brinker, who was telling us about all this, said that this was a group of a dozen people that came together in 2017, and then they've been working on all this amazing stuff. So again, and, and what Christine said was, you know, if you're somebody who 
is starting with no clue whatsoever, then you're exactly where I was when I started all of this. So whether it's, you know, working to change things at the city level, um, getting greenhouse gas inventories done, or helping pass state legislation, this is just regular people coming together and doing this in Inglewood. So next up on our agenda was Jasmine Barco, and she's outreach coordinator with EcoCycle. And um, I wanted to include Jasmine because she's not working as a volunteer, but what she does is she does partner with many of our volunteers to, to help people. And, um, you know, there's a lot of us that have been working this area as volunteers and to let you know that, you know, maybe working with an environmental nonprofit would be another way for you to take the next step to make a bigger impact. So EcoCycle was founded in 1976 by residents who wanted to bring curbside composting to Boulder, Colorado. They've gone on to to grow and really be an internationally recognized innovator. Um, but in recent years, they turned their attention to Denver. Well, you might think that Denver and Colorado are so eco-friendly that we would be knocking it out of the ballpark with recycling, but unfortunately we're not. And uh, the national average is 34%. Denver just inched up from 20 to 23%. And this is about half of our peer cities like Salt Lake City, Utah, and Austin, Texas, which, which are at 40% recycling. So, um, and Denver also lags across just Colorado, where Loveland is 61%, Boulder 54%, Longmont 31%. So what is creating the problem? Well, the city of Denver reports that of everything that goes to the landfill, that 25% of that could be recycled. Another 50% could be composted. So why is 75% of our waste stream unnecessarily going to the landfill? Well, there are a lot of details, but it, it kind of boils down to how waste is priced and collected in Denver. Um, it, a lot of people like me, I'm living in an apartment building, so I don't have recycling or composting unless I go and contract with a company individually or I go drop my stuff off personally. Businesses produce half the city's trash, but have little incentive to recycle and compost. Uh, residents that produce more trash pay no direct fees, while residents that take the positive step of composting with a curbside cart have to pay to do that. And Denver residents and businesses might not also be aware of the importance of all of this, as well as the ease and the different options that are out there. So one of the things that EcoCycle has been advocating is a pay-as-you-throw pricing structure. And what this does is a, kind of a quick example of it from my experience. When I lived in South Korea, it was free to, to deposit your composting. It was free to deposit your recycling at your building. But if you wanted to send anything to the landfill, you had to buy a bag. And so that's kind of pay-as-you-throw. And so that's what they're proposing is to reprice, change up the system so that if you are composting, you are recycling, that you pay less than someone that creates a bunch of uh, waste going to the landfill. So um, that is what EcoCycle has been working on. And 
you can read a lot of the details here. But another important part of this that I wanted to mention is that um, that Denver has a sustainability goal for reaching waste diversion of 34%, which is just the national average by 2020. And as I just was showing you, like we're still such a long ways away for it from it. But composting is the key to helping us get there. And so this is a very interesting report that is linked here, um, which is how Denver can achieve sustainability from the ground up. And so I think a lot of us think that it's going to be all about recycling and other stuff, but since 50% of the waste stream is organics, then if we're ignoring that, there's no way that we're ever going to get to that um, that sustainability goal of 34%. And the benefits of composting, as we've talked about in some of these other um, episodes, is that it's a powerful climate action. It helps with soil and water conservation, helps us generate healthy food, and there's a lot of green jobs and economic benefits to all of that. Um, the other thing that Jasmine talked about was that um, that they're doing a lot of work at the state level. And she highlighted an organization called Recycle Colorado. And what Recycle Colorado is, is it is um, a, a member-driven organization that's working to advance state and local policy. And so, you know, remember that if you're working on something and it's frustrating, you probably haven't found the partners out there and they may already be coordinated in a group like this. And um, one of the things that, that Jasmine said was a really cool thing to do is lobby day. So Recycle Colorado um, has lobby days where they set it up so that you can go, people that are interested in waste diversion topics can go and talk to their legislators um, and you know make a difference by sharing your experience as a citizen or as a business um, that's working in this for this. All right, and in 2020, there's already bills that are that are being proposed, and interesting that Meg uh, Froelich is one of those that is supporting that. So you'll be able to read about that in the notes here. And um, there's actions you can do. You can do things like sign the letter to the mayor, attend Denver City Council meetings and speak up, um, participate in the Denver Compost Challenge. There's another uh, podcast episode on that you can check out. And as I said, participate in the Recycle Colorado Lobby Days. All right, so that is EcoCycle and all the cool stuff they're doing. Our last speaker at the event was Ian Thomas Tafoya, and I decided to just go ahead and make the next podcast is all about Ian. Um, he is he is incredible. This guy has been working at changing policies at the local, state, and national level for quite a while, even though he is a pretty young person. I believe he's the youngest person to have run for mayor in the city of Denver. He does a ton of interesting work. And so you can just uh, segue right on to episode 67 to hear about all the things that Ian has been doing. 
All right, so that wraps up the environmental policy making episode. And so remember, we heard about Joy Op with the Sustainable Wheat Ridge, Christine Brinker with CASE, the Citizens Alliance for a Sustainable Inglewood, Jasmine Barco with EcoCycle. And then on next episode, you're going to hear more about Ian Thomas Tafoya. So I hope that this emboldens you, empowers you, gives you that confidence to know that, yeah, definitely you can get a group of a handful of you together and start thinking about what you want and asking. Um, because, you know, as, as all these people have shown that if we don't step up and ask for it, then then how do we know if the answer is going to be yes or no? So the first step t- comes by getting together and making those asks and then working in partnership with our our governments to help be the change that we want to see in the world. Thanks so much for tuning in again today. And remember, the time for action is now because there is no planet B. See you soon. Well, that's it for another episode of the Green Team Academy podcast. Remember to check out all the resources to help you make a positive eco impact in your community at greenteamacademy.com. Thanks so much and see you right back here soon.